Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Great to be with you again. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Revelation, chapter 3. I heard someone once say, That whenever the preacher says turn to Revelation, you know that it's going to be a serious message because the book of Revelation deals a lot with what's known as eschatology, a.k.a. the end times. Right. And so when you read the book of Revelation, it's not all glory and perfection and paradise. Right. That that's like towards the end, like chapter 21. Uh, First, you have to deal with a little bit of destruction and calamity and hunger and, and, and pain and and you look at the world today and you compare it to uh, the, the, the way that the world is going to look in the book of Revelation. And it's just not a place that anyone wants to be. Hence the seriousness of the book. And uh, whenever an event such as the one that we're in, the, you know, the one that we've been in for some time now, uh, whenever we're in it, 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 we just can't help but think about the end times, Right. Uh, you know, same thing happened when Hurricane Harvey hit the, the city of Houston. Uh, you know, the, the, the scriptures that circulated social media were those of, of end time prophecy. So it's a natural thing for us to do when something like this happens. We think about the end and, and the end is near. Right. And uh, one thing that happens a lot of times during these times is you, you'll hear a lot of theories and, and, and conspiracies and people claiming that this one specific thing is the mark of the beast. And, and while it's wise for Christians to be alert and to know what's happening in our world and, and, and know the scriptures, it's also good for us to exercise wisdom and discernment and not believe every little thing that shows up on the internet. Amen. Um, Because not only that, a lot of times when we start talking about the end times, what the church does is the church begins to look at uh, what's external. The church begins to look at everything that's happening around the church. We fail to realize there are some problems within the church. And we look at what's happening outside and and we look at what's happening in the world and and what people are doing and and we, we, we don't look inward. But I'm betting that the reason the book of Revelation begins its message uh, writing letters to churches is for this reason, is because the church needs to evaluate itself. Um, and, and the church is, is one of the biggest components to the end times. And so while the church looks to what's going around around it, what about what's going on in it? That's the reason that the book of Revelation begins talking directly to churches. And one of the churches that it speaks to is this church in Laodicea, which is found in chapter 3. And we're going to be reading uh, from 15 to 22. That'll be our main text today. Revelation 3, 14, I'm sorry, 15 through 22. And it says this, I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich 
and I have everything that I want, and I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and I discipline everyone that I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Amen. I hope you got that this morning. And the title of my message today is uh, inspired by a popular series of commercials that I'm sure you've, you've seen at least one of them. It's from one of the big tele telecommunication companies. Uh, these commercials feature some type of, uh, someone doing some type of service, but they're not performing that service to the standards that you would want, uh, them to be performed as, as, as the client. Right. And so one, uh, one particular commercial that I, I remember is one of my favorites is this guy, he's in the hospital, and he's, he's laying down, and I guess it's his wife by his side. He's about to undergo some type of surgery. And uh, the nurse is in, in the room uh, with him, and, and they're prepping him for surgery. And, and the wife says, have you ever worked with Dr. So-and-so before? The, Dr. So-and-so is the guy who's going to be performing the surgery. And she says, yeah, he's okay. And those aren't, that's not what you want to hear before you're going to go into the operating room. I know, I know uh, some people, I know my dad recently had surgery and uh, that would be the last thing that I would want to hear. Yeah, he's, he's, he's all right. You know, uh, the guy who's going to be opening him up. And, and then, and, and then in the commercial, the, the doctor comes in and he continues, he kind of says some not reassuring things and, and, uh, it's pretty funny. You gotta, you gotta watch these commercials, but the slogan of the whole thing is just okay is not okay. So the title of my message today is just okay. Just okay. And I want to, uh, before we get any deeper, I want to encourage you, uh, to, to share these, these streams, share these services. Uh, you never know, uh, someone on your feed might, might just stop and, and, and need a, a word that is being spoken. So I believe that this word is very time appropriate for this this moment that we're in, uh, in American church history, look, there's a lot of good in the church, man. Can I just say that first? There's some, there, there are some amazing men and women of God. I believe there are wonderful, genuinely filled by the spirit people of God in the church and they are operating in the power and in the presence of God. We have people that are moved by the spirit, led by the spirit and empowered. I don't, I don't care for those preachers who are always like, everything is wrong with everyone all the time. I, I don't think that's true. I think that the church, uh, the body of Christ is strong. I believe it's vibrant and it's powerful. That being said, though, there's always a but. There is still a problem with a large segment of the Christian church. We're, we're, not, we're not perfect. And, and, and perhaps that's, that's who this message is for this morning. Uh, the, the just okay Christians. And before you stop and you're like, okay, I don't need to hear this message because I'm, I'm a great Christian, right? Um, I, I want to challenge you to keep on listening because 
Maybe you don't think you fall under this category, but perhaps there are some certain aspects of your faith that are just okay. Your prayer life is just, it's okay. Your faith, it's, it's all right. Your daily communion with God, the way that you honor him at work with your workmanship. Maybe you're more lazy than you're a hard worker. And, and that, is, that is reflective of, of what you do for God. Maybe there's certain aspects that are just okay. And we cannot be satisfied with just okay. Because we live, if you've noticed, we live in a, a society that demands excellence. I mean, from everything. Uh, the commercial was, was absolutely right. Just okay is not okay. We need excellence. And we've been getting, man, we've been getting a, a lot of compliments um, for, for just the way that we've been running our service during this weird time. And of course, I can't take credit for it. We have a great team. We have a great media team and, and uh, we got some tech savvy people in here. But, but um, we're, not, we're not perfect, but we're getting better. Because we're not satisfied with just being okay. We're not content with it. And excellence is the culture that we now live in. Excellence is expected by people. You go into a restaurant, you know, back in the day when when dining in restaurants was a thing. uh, You you demand excellence from 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 your server. You demand excellent food. You demand excellent from the chef, from the management team, from the hostess. Um, if you're on a customer service call and at the end they say, would you like to, to uh, take a survey? You usually only do that when the, the, the customer service was excellent or it was terrible. Because you're going you're gonna, to you know, let them know what, what's on your mind. We expect excellence from everything. I mean, I can't tell you how many times a day I see on my feed, um, what are some good Netflix shows right now, right? Because people, people want excellence. People want the best. We want to be catered to in the most excellent way. Why then are so many of us in the church just okay? Jesus speaks to the church of Laodicea. He says, I know all the things that you do. I know all you do all the things. You do them all. You do so many things. You volunteer. You attend church. You sing the songs. You you read a verse a day when the Bible app sends you notifications. You're like, oh, yeah, I need to read my Bible. You, you, you do all of these things, but but you don't do them well. And it's awfully quiet in here. And it's probably because there's no one in the audience. But uh, I, just, I think it's also that type of message. Uh, the world doesn't need a church that can do so many different things. You're not impressing the unbeliever by your busyness in the church. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people in the church who do so much while their character and their heart don't uh, properly align with that of the kingdom that they're serving. And so that creates a sentiment from the unchurched people, the unbelievers, where they look at the church inwardly and they're like, man, they do all of these things, but, but I know how they act on Saturday night. I know how they act when they're not working in the church. They're doing all this, all these things, but but there's no substance to their spirits. Can I just tell someone this morning that it's not the things that you do that make you a Christian. It's who you do it for. And I, I wonder how many of us today in the church, in this church age, have become just satisfied and complacent with the middle 
You don't want to be too far in one direction. You don't want to be too radical, but you don't want to be too secular. So you find a middle ground. You find a way to be a Christian by your belief system rather than by your behavior or by your obedience. And that is what Christ calls disgusting. The Laodiceans were, they were some of the wealthiest people in their region. They had a very strong economy. Um, in fact, the Roman historian Tacitus, he wrote about them and their economic strength. After a major earthquake that hit the city of Laodicea, he wrote, Laodicea arose from the ruins by the strength of her own resources and with no help from Rome. They didn't need Rome. They didn't need the government. They didn't need a stimulus check. Nothing. They did it by themselves. And so they were proud. It it had a a strong education system. They were known for their medical schools and their supply of wool. And uh, it, it was no wonder that they believed that they were so, they were just the best. They had high standards for themselves. And so they didn't think that anything was wrong. By their standards, they had everything right. They were blessed. They were a healthy church. They didn't need to change anything. I don't know if y'all remember uh, grading rubrics. Did anybody have grading rubrics? Like, you know, a rubric was given by your professor, your teacher, uh, when they wanted to, like, set certain guidelines for, for an assignment. Right? It would provide you with some direction um, on what you were going to be get graded on. It was especially useful on the more like complex projects where maybe there, were some, there was more than one a metric for grading. Maybe it was like a presentation. They were going to grade you on, on the topic and, and, and the content and the delivery and the format that you use. And, and so that, that's, what a, that's what a rubric was used for. When I was in, when I was in college... I, there were some assignments that I didn't understand. I didn't, I felt like he didn't communicate properly, uh, everything that was going to go into the assignment. And so I would, I would have to email them a few times and say, Hey, um, can you be a little bit more? I wasn't, I didn't say it like that, but I said, Hey, uh, professor so-and-so I don't understand this assignment. Can you, can you give me some, some more direction on it? Um, and because I, I had to do that because I learned from my mistakes in like middle school and in high school where I would submit an assignment and there was a grading rubric, but I didn't reference it. And so I would get to the end of the assignment. I would look at the final product and I would read through it and I'd be like, man, this is great. But I'm going to, I'm going to skip to the next level. Like this is, it's, I was so proud of myself. And then I would submit the assignment and then I would get my grade back and realize that I missed the mark by a long shot. And so if you think about it, the church of Laodicea, which is reflective of, of many in the church today, they, they, were given, they were giving God what they thought was appropriate. They were giving God what they thought was the best. They didn't even realize that they were missing the mark. They were content with the final product. They were happy with their spiritual state. But it was because the metric system that they were using to measure their spiritual effectiveness was one given not by God, but by man. And so they were, we, we get confused a lot of times because we equate, we equate man's approval with God's approval. That's what we do. We do that a lot. We equate man's approval with God's approval. So we, we make sure that we do our part so that man approves. We, sure, we, we, we be sure to volunteer 
so that we don't look to man that we don't care about people. So I'm going to be here so that you don't judge me. And we, we do church because other Christians do church. But all the while, God is looking at, at the state of a person's heart, and he sees uh, that you do things, but you do them without your heart in it, resulting in a lukewarm Christian. <clears throat> now, look, I, I said earlier that I don't believe that the church as a whole is completely reflects the, the Laodicean church. Okay, I'm not, I'm not calling you Laodiceans, Okay. But I do believe that there are areas in our faith where we have to maybe evaluate and we have to ask ourselves, am I just okay in this aspect? Could I be better? Could I give God a little bit more? Could I give God excellence, the excellence that he is so worthy of? Am I giving him mediocrity in some aspects of my faith? I do believe that there are areas in our faith that we've allowed to just become okay. And the reason I wanted to bring this message is because We're living in a time where, again, everyone demands excellence. Is the church being excellent? Are we we giving the the world our A game, the most compassion that we can give, the most love that we can give, the, the truthful messages that we can provide that we know are from the scriptures? We need a church that is on their A game, that is either in or out. Jesus says, because you are neither hot nor cold, I spit you out of my mouth. He says, I wish you were one or the other. I wish you were one or the other. Maybe you ask, well, isn't it better that I'm at least coming to church? Isn't it better that, you know, that that I'm at least around Christian people? Isn't that better than nothing? Isn't lukewarm being better than cold? Maybe if you're a new Christian, maybe. Because when a, when a person comes to Christ, they're revived, right? That's what happens. When you receive Christ, you receive life. Again, you are, you are a new creation in him. Uh, before you were dead in the trespasses of your sin. Um, and, and when you're dead, what are you? You're cold. You're cold when you're dead. But then you're revived, and then your heart begins pumping again. Blood is flowing through your, your system again. Your body temperature is rising. So you might be cold a little bit when you come to Christ, but you're quickly warming up because you're, you're, you're progressing in your faith. You're growing in your faith. However, if you've been knowing the truth for a while, excuse my ghetto-ness there, been knowing. If you've been knowing the truth of the gospel of Christ, if you've served in your church for a very long time, if you grew up in the church, but no spiritual gains have been made, you've just been remaining stagnant in your spirit. That's where it's not okay. Because you've allowed yourself to stay in the middle too long. And when you're in the middle, you're useless. You're not effective. And maybe it wasn't always like that. Maybe at one time you were, you were as hot as you can be, but then something happened in your life and you began to cool down a little bit and, and you never regained that spiritual strength. And that creates in the church more damage than good. It just does. Because then you have a lot of people that are not rightly representing the body of Christ, but they're claiming to represent the body of Christ. There's this place that I go to nearly every Sunday morning. I go there, I grab my breakfast, um, and I get some coffee. I'm a, I'm a loyal customer. I love this place, so I'm not going to 
throw them under the bus by saying their name because on a couple occasions, this particular one by my house, they, they, they did me wrong. Uh, I ordered my breakfast and the first thing I do is I take a sip of my coffee. The coffee's always on point and it's delicious. And then I, I, I order this, this breakfast sandwich and, and, uh, I get it, everything. I take my coffee, I drink it. I take my sandwich out of the bag. It's nice and hot. Right. And, um, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked because it's a Sunday morning and um, I got my worship jams on. I got some good coffee. I'm on my way to church. We're going to, we're going to worship the King of Kings. And, and I'm, I'm excited. Um, on a couple occasions, I, I open up my meal, my, my sandwich, and it's hot. It's hot on the surface. It's ready to go. It's ready to be eaten. I'm excited again. And then I take a bite and the meat is cold. And the, the protein, the most essential part of the meal is not fully cooked. If I just wanted hot bread, I would have just made toast. But the middle was not good. So it was just good for nothing to be thrown out. And in my disgust, my first reaction was to spit it out. That's, that's what you do naturally. I'm not swallowing uncooked meat. I don't know what it's going to do to my system. I don't, know, I don't want it to make me sick. And it's that same type of, of toxicity that exists with lukewarm Christians. It's, it's tricky because on the surface, it's hot. Take it out of the bag. You touch it. Everything looks good. It's ready to go. But you don't know that on the inside, that person is empty. You don't know that on the inside, there hasn't been growth in years. You don't know that when that person is outside of church, he's not rightly representing the body of Christ. And that's why Jesus is sickened by this. He says, if you're cold, just be cold. I wish you were one or the other. See, because if you're cold, at least you know what you're getting. You're not, you're not playing games. You're not trying, you're not fooling every, anyone. If you're co- if I get a piece of meat that is still frozen, I'm, I would be dumb to put that thing in my mouth, but it's when you're lukewarm and you look like you're a little bit hot, you look like you're a little bit cooked and you're ready to go. And then you bite into it and it causes more damage than good. The scary part of all this is that this church didn't even realize that they were lukewarm. They thought they were good. They thought that because they were rich, that because they were above society and, and didn't lack in anything, that they were pleasing to God. And maybe they thought, well, because I have all of these things, God is pleased with me. Maybe because I am, I, I, I'm wealthy, then that means I am blessed. And verse 17 says, you say I am rich. And I have everything that I want and I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by the fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. Jesus is calling the church to trade in what we call wealth, what we might call blessings for the true riches that only Christ himself can provide. 
look, we can't be okay with just being okay. And I don't, I don't know what areas of your faith that might need work. I, I don't know. But, but I believe that if, if we're honest with ourselves and, and we examine certain aspects of our, of our life and, and our relationship with God, we can ask ourselves the question, well, how does this look? How do I look? And, and I want to, I want to press, I, I want to press you this morning to strive for excellence, strive for excellence in everything that you do for the kingdom of God. If we are truly living in the end of days, which we, we are, we are called to live every day. Like it is our last, we can't settle for mediocrity. We can't be content with the middle. We can't be content with a a microwave relationship where Sunday mornings before church, that's when we warm ourselves up Saturday night. That's when we warm ourselves up. But then, but then we're cooling off the rest of the week. We need substance in the church. We need excellence in the church. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not saying that don't confuse this with perfection. We're not perfect. We'll never be perfect. But what if we can go beyond just okay? What if we can, what if we can go beyond the middle and strive for excellence, excellence in our workplaces? And when people are are, are down and, and when people are in need of hope, then we, we as a church are there and, and, and we can, we can show them to Christ because we're right there with Christ. That is what the church needs today. We need a strong, faithful and effective body of Christ. And I want to encourage you this morning to examine yourself, examine your faith. Remember the Laodiceans were completely caught off guard. They didn't know this. They didn't know that there were some areas in their life that they haven't opened the door to Christ. And Christ is saying, I stand at the door and I knock. Let me in. This morning, I want to encourage you. If you've been resistant in some areas, maybe you've been resistant to give God everything. Maybe, maybe he hasn't been controlling every aspect of your life. Maybe you've, you've held on too tightly to your finances. Maybe you've held on too tightly to, to even your family because you have this, this complete sense of ownership that not even God can touch them. I want to encourage you this morning. Open your heart and let Christ in. I want to pray with you this morning. I want to pray with you this morning. And if there's anyone here this morning that has not yet received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, I want to ask if you want to, if you want to accept Jesus Christ, if you're not living with him, if you're not walking with him and you say, you know what, this, this is enough. I, I, I want more. I want to fulfill my purpose in Christ. I want to, I want to be secure in my salvation by giving my life to him who gave his for me. I'm going to ask this morning that you just pray this prayer with me. Pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I pray that you examine my heart this morning. 
and everything, my God, that, that does not belong, I pray, Lord, that you remove it. I pray that your Holy Spirit may enter me. Forgive me. And I pray that you, Father God, lead me to the way of everlasting. I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I give my will to you. I surrender to you. And this morning, I take up my cross and I continue to walk. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you said that prayer. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.